0: When we're growing up, there's this group of kids called the cool kids, right? And the cool kids kind of have their own little group, they have their own little table. Here's what I don't know. I don't know how the cool kids became the cool kids. I don't know if there was like an election out there that I didn't get to vote in or they just appointed themselves. But uh, as, as I started to look around at the cool kids when I was growing up, here's one thing that I began to understand. The cool kids are not always necessarily the nice kids. Uh, there was a season in my life where I was definitely not a part of the cool kids. And because the cool kids weren't the nice kids, they wanted to do everything they could to remind me mercilessly that I was not part of the cool kids. Uh, it was awful. Like Everything that I would wear to school, they would make fun of me. Even if I looked like everybody else wore the exact same things that everybody else was wearing, they would make fun of me. They would make fun of my hair, how I cut my hair. Imagine the ammunition they would have today <laughs> if the cool kids were still around. Nothing was more challenging, though, than recess. You know, that little tiny school, when you go out to recess, you play games, And so there's always two people that choose for the games. And I don't even know who always decides who the choosers are, but it was the cool kids. They were the ones deciding that. And during this season of my life, what the cool kids would do is they would make sure that whoever the choosers were, they would make sure that I was chosen last. And it wasn't because I wasn't a good athlete. I was one of the better athletes. You have to take that by faith. I was actually one of the better athletes but they would want to make sure that I was chosen last it was a devastating time in life i remember those nights going to bed where my mom is like laying there rubbing my back i'm crying myself to sleep i'm telling mom like i don't want to go to school can we do something i want to do something different i don't want to go to school so i would go to school but what i would do is i would lie to my teachers I would tell them that I was behind on my homework, and so I needed to stay in at recess. I would do anything I could to not face that sense of, you don't belong. And I would sit there practicing spelling words that I could spell backwards if I had to. I would work on math problems over and over again that I, I could probably teach the class to the other kids, but I did anything that I could not to have to face that sense of, I don't belong. And it's funny Is I mean, this is like 40 years later. I can almost just imagine sitting at my desk, working on those spelling words and math problems, looking out the window and seeing all the kids that fit in having a great time. I was always asking myself, do I belong? Where do I fit? And it was a painful, painful way to realize this. But one of the things I realized early in my life is that every one of us, we long to belong. We want to know, where do I fit? Where do I fit in this world? It's the second question that we're engaging in and around this series. Last week, we talked about the who am I question, identity. Today, we're talking about that question, where do I fit? Where is my sense of belonging? Maybe just to get a a definition out there, a working definition for us to, to move into this topic. When we're talking about belonging, we're talking about our sense of connection with other people. You belong, or you feel like you belong. You have that sense of belonging when you have people around you in your sphere that one, they know you. They really know you. And even though they know everything about you, they love you. They care about you. They're for you. They understand you. They accept you for who you are. Not who you might be, not who you could be, but who you are no matter what. That sense of belonging is one of the greatest spiritual hungers of our day. We want that, don't we? We want that sense like, I know. I know who's got my back. I want to belong, But we live in a world that's marked not necessarily often by a sense of connection, but by a sense of isolation. People in our culture and our world are so lonely, so disconnected. We live in a culture that idealizes individualism, that idealizes autonomy. It's all about the individual. And that leaves us in this place where we lose our sense of of belonging, this sense of connection to other people. And it is wrecking our lives. Research tells us that aloneness, being lonely, being isolated, has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is a better predictor of early death than obesity. What am I trying to tell you? Loneliness can kill you. We need that sense of belonging. Here's oftentimes what I I would have guessed, that if, if we were to think about loneliness as it relates to generations, that the younger generations would be the most connected people on the planet. All these ways, electronically, that they can connect with one another. You know who statistically the loneliest people on the planet are? 16 to 24-year-olds. 40% of them say that I feel lonely often or very often, every day. A 2019 research study said that Gen Z is the loneliest generation on the planet. Nearly half of them would say this, no one really is with me. In this life, I've got no one who's got my back and no one really knows them well. We live in a lonely generation where people feel like I'm not known and I'm not loved. But research also would confirm that this sense of belonging is actually one of our primary human needs, right below our need for food, right below our need for shelter, If you want to predict human flourishing, it's this sense of belonging, this sense that I have a people, I have a place where I feel like I belong. Now let me be clear, as we're talking about these statistics, don't lull yourself to sleep and thinking that I'm talking about what's happening outside the church. This is what's happening out there in the world, and we've got it all together inside the church here. Not true. People are asking the exact same questions inside this room as outside. They're asking the question of, "Who are my people? Where do I fit? Where do I belong?" And as we've been engaging this series, part of our underlying premise is that Jesus has the best answer to these questions. Last week we talked about who am I, where. The question today, where do I fit? We believe that Jesus has the best answer. And here's the answer. Here's the thing that I want running through your mind the whole time that I'm talking today and as you leave here. This is the phrase I want going through. This is our big idea for the day. No one, no one belongs here more than you. No one belongs here More than you do I don't care how you feel coming in here I don't care how you feel about your sense of belonging Your sense of fit Are these my people Jesus would say to you No one belongs here More than you do What would it be like What would it be like If you really believed That that was true As you you walked in this place As you sat down As you looked around There was just this sense of, these are my people, this is my place. There's no one, there's no one in this room that belongs here more than me. That's the answer that Jesus wants you to have to the question, where do I fit? Right here. No one belongs here more than you. Last week, we talked about identity In this reality, that our identity isn't something that we work for, isn't something that we earn, isn't something that we try to find inside of ourselves, but our identity is something that is bestowed upon us by the Father Himself. He says, The God of the universe says, You are my child. You belong to me. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I delight in you. And here's what we need there's an extension. Of that identity that comes from the Father. If we, as followers of Him, as followers of Jesus, are all His children, you know what that makes us? Brothers, sisters, family. Does that scare some of you? Like, I'm your family. (laughs) Some of you, it scares me a little bit. You're my family. (laughs) We belong together. By God's design, we belong together. We're not alone. God intends for us to be a family together. And if that's true, that sense of belonging, that sense of people coming in here and experiencing what I'm talking about, that they come here with that sense that no one belongs here more than me. It is our responsibility. That needs to matter to us, that that's how people feel when they are around journey church that is our responsibility one of the fundamental teachings of jesus he took our faith oftentimes talked about in very vertical terms it's our relationship with god and in the culture that we live in this individualistic society we grab a hold of that it's god and me me and god i don't need anybody else but jesus was constantly taking the reality of that vertical relationship with the father and he turned it horizontal And he wanted us to understand if we're going to live out, if we're going to understand our faith, if we're going to live out the full expression of what it is that God has for us, we've got to understand our sense of belonging in the community of faith. No one belongs here more than you. Here's how Jesus first brought this to the surface. Oftentimes in his life and ministry, there were leaders, religious leaders, they were always trying to press him, they're always trying to trick him, they were trying to ask questions that they could stump him, catch him in his words. And so one time, a religious leader asked him a very simple question, said, "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" And Jesus obliges, answers the question. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 this is probably familiar to many of you Jesus replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now you need to understand that the religious leaders of that day, this was a very standard answer. I mean, like, like if we're playing family feud, this is like the number one answer, 95 people out of 100. This is 95 rabbis out of 100. Ding! This is the answer that they would give. But Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? Jesus keeps going. He uses a big conjunction. Conjunction, junction, what's that function? And he wasn't done talking. This kind of sat them back on their heels a bit. What else is he going to say? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments the first answer they expected the second answer was a big curveball to the religious leaders because jesus was doing something that they didn't expect he gave them a second great commandment and when jesus says the second is like it we need to understand commentators will help us understand that when he says the second he's not talking about second in importance He's not saying like, the love of the Lord your God, this vertical relationship, that's the most important. The second in importance is loving each other. No, he's saying the second in sequence. They are exactly the same. They hold the same weight. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And what we do, how we do that is by loving our neighbor as ourself. There's Jesus doing it, taking that vertical relationship with God and turning it horizontal. What Jesus wants us to understand is we can say, yes, I love God with all that I have. He said, well, how how do you love people? If you really love God, you will love people. If you say, I am so committed to God, he said, that will be expressed in your commitment to people. What does your life and relationships look like? What is in the wake of your relationship life? He would say, you say you belong to God. If you belong to God, what does your belonging with the people of God look like? He's constantly saying, you can't separate those two. The vertical and the horizontal, they go together. No one belongs here more than you. You belong here because you are a child of God. You belong to Him, and whether you like it or not, you belong to us. We belong to one another. Jesus doubles down again in His teaching. He never wants people to be confused. So when He was talking to His closest followers right before the end of His life, He ups the bar again and says, A new command. I give you. John 13, 34. A new command, I give you. Like a a super command, an overarching command. Love one another. Probably the question is, how? How do you want us to love one another? Jesus says, this is how you do it. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. They'd seen Jesus do a lot of loving things. Now, oftentimes when we think about this, we're we're constantly thinking about the cross, the ultimate expression of the love of Christ. They knew nothing of the cross when Jesus said this. What did they see? What is it that they had seen in the life of Jesus? When Jesus is saying, love as I have loved, they watched someone who pulled a team of people together to belong in his kingdom mission that were tax collectors, that were prostitutes, that were lepers, that were misfits, that were marginalized. They saw him pull them together. And every one of them had this sense like, we're in this. No one here belongs more than we do. And he also called people on his team that were sharp religious leaders, doctors, people from all across the spectrum. Jesus says, this is what it means to love like I do. You pull everybody in Everybody gets a sense that no one belongs here more than me. And Jesus continues, verse 35, and he said, "By this, and by this, this demonstrative pronoun, looking back to the way that we love one another, by the way that we love one another, this is what's going to happen. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's what Jesus is saying. This sense of belonging. He's like, you know what's going to happen? As you live that out, and as the world looks in and sees that, he says, it's going to be magnetic. People are going to see, I am who I claimed that I was when they look at your lives and how you care for one another. It will be absolutely magnetic. Isn't Isn't that interesting? When Jesus lays out what it is that's going to take his message to the world, that's going to be the truth claim of his message, he doesn't start out with, this is what you need to believe. Now, now is belief important? Absolutely. <laughs> truth is important. We have to know what is true about who God is and how we relate to him. But it wasn't the first thing on the mind of Jesus. Was behavior the first thing that was on the mind of Jesus, if you behave in a certain way, then the world will know that you are my disciples. Wasn't the first thing on his list. Does behavior matter? Does Jesus want us to live our life in holiness and purity, in a way that corresponds to the kingdom of God? Absolutely. But belief and behavior isn't where he started. He started with belonging. This sense of love, For one another, this willingness to be able to create a team, create a people where no one feels like they belong less than another person. It was the primary thing that was on the heart and the mind of Jesus. And as Jesus was at the end of his life, just days before he was gonna go to the cross, we see this window into his life where he is praying to the Father, talking with the Father about what he most wants. To see, We see that Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then get this, he prays for you, and he prays for me. It's one of the biggest windows into the prayer life of Jesus. This is what's on his heart for you. As Jesus looked down through time, knows that you're sitting here in this room, here's what the Son of God is praying for you right now. John chapter 17, verse 20. Here's what Jesus says. My prayer is not for them alone. And that them is referring to his disciples, first century disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's us. Those are people that right now have chosen to follow Jesus, that have made him their king, bowed their knee to him, surrendered our life, to him, accepted what he did for us on the cross as our own. That's what he's talking about. We believe that message. We're followers of him. This is what Jesus is praying for us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that, here's the result, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as, you, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Result, then, the result of unity, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Says so it again. The heart of Jesus 2,000 years later, for every follower of him in this room, is that we would be one. That our hearts and our lives would be so tied together that it would look in the same way as the relationship between the Father and the Son that existed eternally, together, unified. That that would be what we would experience in his family. And Jesus says it again. The result of that is gonna be, that is gonna declare to the world that what we're talking about is true when we come to that place of unity, when we come to that place where no one belongs more than you. And that's what you believe and know to be true. Here's what I love about God's picture of unity. Unity never means uniformity. That doesn't mean that we all need to come here, we all need to think alike, we all need to act alike, we all need to vote alike. It's not about uniformity. In fact, the cross of Jesus Christ demands diversity. Diversity in the ways that we think. Diversity in the ways that we relate to the culture around us. Every one of you has been given unique gifts and talents and, and roles that God intends for you to play inside the context of his team. So if you're here today and you, you just always had this thought, like, I don't know if I belong at Journey, I'm just so different than everybody else, good, good. Absolutely, that is God's intention. We are not to be the same. We come together as part of his body. Every part of a body is important. Every part is unique. They don't perform the same function, but they are all needed. And that's why I just need to tell you, church, we need you. We need you here. And when I say we need you here, I'm not just talking about showing up and warming a seat on Sunday morning. We need you here. Active In participating In the life of this community A group of people That are making it their business That everyone who walks in these these doors Would have that sense That nobody belongs here More than me We can do that for other people As God's spirit moves in and through us God's spirit, the spirit of unity Wants to do that in us And he wants to do that through us Here's the problem we're not very good at it. Historically, we have not been very forget- I'm not just talking about Journey Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. And there's no wonder why. Let me explain to you. Last week, I talked about wrestling with your identity and how the evil one wants to battle your identity. He wants to convince you that you're not who God says that you are. Let me just say the evil one is just as intent on not allowing that prayer of Jesus to be answered. He wants there to be disunity. He doesn't want people to feel like they belong. He wants them to feel like they're isolated and separate because he knows that if we live out the call of Jesus on our life to love one another and to be unified the way that he is believing that we will, this message would spread like wildfire. People would look in and say, wow, I want to be part of that. In his recent book called Until Unity, Francis Chan writes this. I started to read it, I could only get through the introduction because there's just so many heavy things that I just thought, God, we we need this. We need this in our church. Here's what Francis says, and I believe that he's right. He said, We are currently, speaking of the Christian church, we are currently the most divided faith group on earth, and there isn't a close second. If you think I'm exaggerating, name another religion with more than two or three factions. We have thousands of denominations and ministries, each believing that their theology or their methodology is superior. And he says this, the saddest part of this is that our Savior was crucified to end divisions. He commands us to be united And he says that we will impact the world when we become one. There's a lot of things happening in this world that keep us up at night. I get emails about them. You need to talk about this. You need to talk about this. You need to talk about this. This is dark. If there's one thing that I think should cause us angst as a follower of Jesus is that this is true. That the church of Jesus Christ is not connected is not unified that there is a sense of loneliness there's a sense of not belonging in his church that's what needs to keep us up at night the dissensions and factions inside the context of the church of Jesus Christ and here's what you've got to say and I'm gonna actually I'm not gonna say it soft I'm gonna say it just how God said it this disgusts him this disgusts the heart of God and he hates it Proverbs chapter six I'll just read it There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. Haughty just means proud, someone that would look down on another person with disdain, as if you don't belong. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and... And I pause there for a second because the, the, the language would help us understand when he says, There's six things that I hate, seven that are detestable to me. What God is saying is, These things I hate, but this one really ticks me off. A person who stirs up conflict in the community. A person who stirs up conflict in the community. can we just humbly sit back for a second and analyze our life? Could we just stop and pause for a second when we're tempted to want to gossip about another follower of Jesus, when we want to criticize, when we want to condemn? Maybe when those thoughts are even in our mind, could we just be reminded God detests this? when those words start coming off of our tongue, when we start posting on social media, when we start typing that email, could we just stop for a second and just say, God hates this. He absolutely hates this. You know what else Jesus would say? Not only does God hate it, but the unbelieving world outside these doors are confused by it. And they are completely turned off by it. It, like I get this picture that it would be like like Say my wife and I and my kids We decided that we want, we want to adopt some people into our family Come be a part of our family But we're continually walking through orphanages And we're screaming and yelling at one another Looking at each other with disdain And saying come be a part of our family No one would want that Everyone just said, You do you You guys do your thing I'll do my thing What is the picture of God that we are communicating to the broken world out there? The reason that Jesus prayed this is because he knows if we get this right, if we allow the spirit of unity to soften our hearts and to humble our hearts and to give us the courage to move toward people and embrace people in and around our community, to create an environment where everyone that's here believes no one belongs here more than me, Jesus knows that the message will be like wildfire. It will be magnetic. People will be drawn to that. Here's the deal. We can't fix all the problems in the whole church all across the world. But if you're sitting here and you're listening to the sound of my voice, we can try to solve the problems that are right in front of us. What do we need to do in order to bring ourselves to a place where our church feels and understands. No one belongs here more than them. There's a biblical word that explains what I'm talking about. It has a rich history in our Christian tradition and it's called hospitality. Sometimes when we use the word hospitality, it's just like inviting people over to your house and having a clean house and being nice to them. The word is way different than that. Biblically, it has the meaning of making room For others It means welcoming The stranger It means giving a seat At the table To people that might not expect it People that haven't done anything To work for it or earn it And we just say you belong here It's making insiders Out of people that might feel Like outsiders It's a church that makes everyone feel like No one belongs here More than me And when we talk about belonging around here I want to give you a little bit more of a picture of it Because there's a couple words I've been saying it Michelle said it But I want these words to go deep into the deep places of your heart When we talk about belonging We're talking about two things That people will experience One Is that they're known People would know who they are Inside out Who they really are And they would be known And in the midst of being known, they would feel loved. Regardless of who I am and where I'm at, I feel fully known and I feel fully loved. Now, there are some people that are down in this quadrant where they're not known and they're not loved. I would call these people ignored. There are people sitting in this room right now. Won't ask for a show of hands, but that's how you feel coming here. Nobody really knows me. Nobody really sees me, so nobody can really love me. I just feel ignored. And for some of you, I know you want that. You just want to kind of sneak in, go to the back row, leave early, because you don't want to be seen. But I just want to tell you, we want more for you here. We want you to be known, and we want you to be loved. And there are some of you that maybe have been in this place in your life where you feel known. You brought some things to the surface in your life with others, but as a result of what you brought to the surface You felt like there was a, a pushing back from them From you This is rejection When we're at that place where we feel known But we don't feel loved We feel rejected And there are some of you You felt that And you felt that from the church And as a leader of the church of Jesus Christ I just want to say I'm so Sorry I'm so sorry that you ever experienced, this should never be what is true in the context of the church of Jesus Christ. This needs to be a place where we bring our real sin, our real guilt, our real shame before a holy God, but before his people. And we deal with it together. That's what God intends. Because if this starts happening, people feel like they can't be themselves, they go to this place where maybe they feel loved, But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let myself be known. These are people that are simply fitting in. I don't feel like I belong here, but I'm not going to tell people who I really am. I know where the boxes are. I know what I should say and shouldn't say, should do, shouldn't do, and I'm just going to play inside the box. I'm never going to bring my life outside of that because I fear that I won't be loved. Friends, these can't exist in the church of Jesus Christ. We can't be in these places. We need to be in this place of belonging. Where we feel fully known and fully loved because that's where life change happens. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he wants for us. We need to do everything we can to move people out of feeling rejected or just fitting in and move them into this sense of belonging. What are you gonna do? What's your step to help make that happen for you or for others? Now, I know for some of you, your next step is you've got to move toward people. You've got to move toward people. If you're gonna be in relationships where you're known and loved, you've gotta take a step toward people. And I know that there are a thousand reasons that you think that you can't do that. Most people just start out with, I don't have time. I don't have time to invest in more relationships in my life. I don't have time to be around more people in the body of Christ. You've got to move toward people. I don't care how hard it is. You've got to move toward people. Some of you say it's a personality thing. I'm just introverted. Then you need to pray for Courage. God, would you give me the courage to move toward people because I know I'm not gonna be who you created me to be. I'm not gonna be a a part of a culture that you want to be true around my church until I move toward people. Some of you, it's risky because you've been hurt in the past. I wanna pray and you need to pray that you'd have the courage, whatever it takes to move toward people. And there's some of you, your next step is you need to make room for people. Some of you that are sitting in this room right now, I believe that this is true. And you're just saying, loneliness, isolation? I don't know what he speaks of. That's not my life. You've forgotten. Maybe you've never experienced it, and I hope that you haven't. You've either never experienced it, or you've forgotten what it's like to be lonely and isolated. If you're in this place where you have a sense of belonging, it is your responsibility. To help create a sense of belonging for other people, would you be the tip of the spear to answer the prayer of Jesus 2,000 years ago to pull his people together? Make room for people. Invite the stranger in. A couple quick ways that you can do that. A couple things that we do around here to try to help people belong. There's a team of people. Out in front of the church, in the beginning, a small team of people that we wanted to get bigger. They're called the new crew. And what they do on the weekends, they just try to identify who are those people that this is one of their first or second or very, have not been around journey very often. And they want to help them get connected. What can we do to help them have a sense of belonging so that nobody walks in here wondering, do I fit, do I belong? If that's you, they're gonna use the QR code at the end of this service, just sign up. I wanna be a part of the new crew. I want to reach out to those people. I want to make space for people. And some of you, it's about joining a journey community. And if you're a journey community leader, you know that these are words that we use over and over again, known and loved. That is the primary job, one of the primary jobs of a journey community leader. How do I create an environment that feels safe for people, that they can be known and loved? And that doesn't come easy. And it doesn't come quick. But you need to take a step toward people. Take a step of faith. And if you're wondering today, do I have the courage to do that? Do I really have what it takes? I want to share with you the power, the power that you have as a follower of Jesus to do this. And it doesn't come from you, but it comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. Some of you will remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, There was something that he shouted out for everyone to hear. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken by the father. He was forgotten. The father turned his back on Jesus. A relationship that Jesus had known for all of eternity was broken He experienced a lack of belonging for the first time ever. Why did he do it? So that we could belong. He took the punishment that we deserved so that we can belong. The reason that you belong is not because you figured out how to fit in, not because you do the right things. It's because Jesus died for you and he says, you fit in. I chose to not belong so that you could belong. When you wonder, do I have what it takes to do what Jesus is asking me to do, to move toward people, to make room in my life toward people, just look at the cross. And just one, just say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that because of what you did for me, I can belong. And because of that, I want everyone To feel that same sense of belonging I'm going to make room for people I want everyone Around me on a Sunday morning To have that sense That no one belongs here More than me Let's pray Jesus thank you Thank you for the cross. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to belong because of what you did for us. Thank you that you took our sin and our guilt and our shame upon yourself. You became abandoned. You became forsaken. You became as one that didn't belong so that I could belong. And we just say, thank you. Holy Spirit, we know that you want your church to be united. We know that you want everyone to have that sense of belonging. Holy Spirit, empower us to do what it is that we are created to do as your followers. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness to make the time, create the space to be with your people so that no one ever feels like they don't belong. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. Thank you for praying for us 2000 years ago so that we could belong. And it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review, hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.